On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, they pick up their 50th win on the season in comeback fashion over Dallas. How did they get it done? What stood out? We'll share it with you next right here, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, you are Locked On 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, alongside my co-host and partner, as always, Sixers beat writer from TheInquire.com, Keith Pompey. What's up, Keith? What's poppin', D? Um, 50 wins. Yeah, normal now. After six years, that's pretty normal at this point. We expect that from this basketball team. They finally got to 50 with six games left to play, and we'll see where things go because there are still some jockeying to happen, I'm sure. Uh, once the final game is played next month. But we'll get into that in a bit. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube at Locked On 76ers. Keith, good win for the Sixers last night. We'll talk about what stood out, how things uh, got done with James Harden back in the mix, an eight-point victory for the Sixers in comeback fashion. As we mentioned, the straw poll uh, is out again. The final straw poll of the season uh, from uh, ESPN. So we'll get to that and where Joel Embiid falls into the MVP conversation. Does he finish first, second, third? How about fourth? We'll get to that as well. And the bench. How much do the Sixers need the bench to play like they did last night in order for them to have success going forward? But Keith, he's eight-point victory, trailing by five at the half. It seemed like they should have been down so much more and after the first and second quarters, but they were only down by five. Dallas hitting shots. Kyrie Irving looking spectacular. Luka Doncic doing what he does. A couple of players, uh, role players hitting some shots as well. Tim Hardaway Jr. had a pretty good night with 21 points, making five three-pointers. But they found a way to come back, Keith. And I thought, uh, before I hand it off to you, thought this was a good win. Every win doesn't have to be, in my opinion, where everyone doesn't have to be a large number of points from Joel Embiid like we see from him as an MVP candidate. Nor does it have to be with Tyrese Maxey exploding for 30 plus or even a blowout win or a high scoring affair. It's just how you win those games that kind of tell the story as we watch them in the moment and then think about them a little bit later. And then, of course, for us to get together and talk about it here on this podcast, thought it was a good win because of. The fact that they had to come back, they were down the entire game, and when they, you thought they were going to be able to take a little bit of a lead like they did at one point where they were up four, and the next thing you know, Luka Doncic gets fouled, forcing Joel Embiid into his fourth personal foul. Luka Doncic gets fouled, goes to the free throw line, and get another bucket, and just like that, they turn right back around, and they take the lead. And in the end, the Sixers did it. They didn't give it up. Defense was a big part of it. This is the team, Keith, that we haven't seen much of in the past that's starting to show themselves all season long here. Yeah, you know what? It was a good win. Um, And the thing that got me was I'm looking at this game, and I even watched it again this morning. So I'm looking at the game, and I'm seeing how they're playing. And they reminded me of a championship-type DNA. And what I mean by that, people, is that when you have these quality teams – Sometimes for three quarters, it's kind of like you're looking at it and you're saying, what are they doing? 
what are they doing? Like they're, they're turning the ball over, they're, they're giving up shots, they're doing a lot of different things. But then championship teams, and let's think of the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq and, and, and the Bulls when they had Jordan and Pippen. What they did is when it became down to crucial times in the fourth quarter, it just seemed like they went up a level. And then the other teams start panicking, start turning the ball over, start doing things. And that's what it was like to me last night. It was like, you know, you look at them, they keep going down, they kept doing this. But when it came down to it, crunch time, it seemed like the 76ers stepped up. And that's what quality teams do. They were running out there. They were doing this. They were grabbing rebounds. They, it would just seem like the intensity and the effort level went up a notch. And Dallas could not do the same things. And to me, that's what made that a good win for me. Because, D, we talked about it before. This is stuff that the 76ers did not do earlier in the season. This is stuff they did not do even when they were the number one seed in the East two years ago. They couldn't do it, and they didn't do it under Brett Brown. So, to me, it, it was a quality win. Something to piggyback off of what you just said about what they used to do, what they don't do, and how you felt watching the game in the championship DNA. I was talking to someone at halftime in the arena. Well, actually, started third quarter. Um, they had a little bit of a delay, so I ran to the back to the media area quickly, and then I came back out, and I caught someone that we both know and uh, talking to this gentleman about what they were going to do because the game had just got started as I was coming back. So I'm standing in there, standing in the tunnel, standing by the uh, tunnel area, and watching it before, you know, dead ball so I can go back to the seat. And and the, the gentleman I was speaking with said, I'm not worried about this one. I, I know they've been trailing the entire first half. And all. I'm not worried about this because all they're going to do is once they take the lead at some point, this is the type of game that they take the lead and not give it up. Now, they gave it up a little bit. Again, it was a four-point lead. Luka does what Luka does. And same thing with Kyrie Irving. They'll keep you in it. But once the Sixers eventually took that lead, Keith, in the fourth quarter, and it was about man, look what you doing, bro. You up here got you saying Luca and the stuff. I, so, so, no. I needed I needed like ten seconds to get myself together. That was the cough button. That was the cough button for us here uh, on the podcast. So thank you for that because you saw I needed to you know quick <laughs> clear. Nah, mind. it's just like Luca. The people like the power of the beast that don't talk about Luca. It's like nah, yeah. Um, so so the gentleman was saying basically once they got there and we saw it in the fourth quarter uh, why it wasn't a huge lead. It was a lead, and with that lead, they did not give it up. And as you talked about, not only do we notice something like that. Other basketball people who we, we respect also feel the same way and uh, highlighted that exact same thing of them just being a totally different basketball team. And uh, now here we are, 50 wins in the books. And before we transition to talk about the straw poll and the MVP, Keith, I, I, we're going to talk a lot about Embiid up in the straw poll. This is year six, and they've been to the playoffs all six years of Embiid's full seasons. Uh, on the floor after his injury knocked him down the first two years. Um, Keith, I mean, they've, we we say this at the beginning of the year and we talk about how it's all about the playoffs. It's not easy to get the 50 wins, and here we are. We're 50 again for this basketball team under his his era. Yeah, and the funny part is, if you think about this. Since, I think this is fourth. I think this is year four. because it is, it is the, it's, The crazy part is year four with 50, but – 
ever since they had like, you know, the last four years that they had um, 82 game seasons because the pandemic, they played 73. Right. And then the next year they played 72. So they had the two seasons. Right. All four seasons that they the last four seasons that it was an 82 game schedule. They won 50 or more. Yep. So um, now here's something else that makes the, that makes it even fascinating. The the second pandemic, or when they only had a 72 32. game schedule, they won 49 games and were so, the number one seed. <laughs> the number one seed. So when you look at it, you're saying to yourself, like this is becoming the norm for the 76ers. Oh, it's been the norm. You know? <laughs> and, and they are the second best. People need to realize over these last four years, or X, X amount of years. They're the second best team in regards to wins in the NBA, trailing the Milwaukee Bucks, who won the championship. And look, man, because it is all about the playoffs. Regular season is something totally different. It gives you up for the playoffs. But that's not nothing. That's sustainability of success, Keith, that you're talking about. And, and even last season, when we looked at the playoff matchup with the Miami Heat in the second round, Toronto first, it lined up perfectly for them for them to win. And you can't convince me that they were going to lose if Embiid hadn't busted his face up. And even the face, because with the torn ligaments in his thumb, he was playing fine. It was the busted up face that caused him to miss those first two games against Miami where they lost them. And when he came back, they won. That was another good chance for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe advance to the NBA Finals. It didn't happen. So no excuses there. The point of it is they've been a really good basketball team, to your point. Not only for the last four years where they have the best record in the NBA with Milwaukee, the last six years being in the postseason under Embiid. And, and that's why so many people, like myself, I mean, I, I don't fast forward the season. I always say that. I watch it because there are always things in there that can be told through 82 games. The playoffs, as we all know, is, is what it's about. And that's why people get so jacked up about it, because you always feel like they have a real shot of winning because of what you do see in the regular season, getting to 50 or 50 plus wins during the campaign. So six more games to go. Uh, I thought they would end up with 54. I didn't expect them to go on a three game losing streak. So uh, we'll see where things go because they do have Toronto on Friday. Then they travel to Milwaukee, not an easy game back home on Tuesday for Boston. Then you have a back to back. What is it? Thursday, Friday, Miami and, and Atlanta, Miami at home, Atlanta on the road. And then you wrap it up on Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets away, they still have a chance to get to, let's say with these six games, if you split them three and three, I could see 53 wins for this basketball team. And then you just ride into, ride into the postseason and see, see what happens. And I say 53 because we're looking at the wins that you probably should have are the ones at home, even with Boston, just the way you play uh, could be a loss, but Toronto, Atlanta, Miami, maybe, or, or Brooklyn, one of the two that you're going to win, one of those two games in that back-to-back, in my opinion, and then maybe take that final one against the Brooklyn Nets. So, um, yeah, winning winning franchise they are. They just need the big win, the big win. And in order for that to happen, they needed a big fella to be healthy in the playoffs. He played last night, 25 points, did what he needed to do to help the team win, and a couple of key blocks there in there for the 76ers. The latest straw poll is out. And uh, we'll talk about the voters who actually vote on this thing and where Embiid landed, why? It seems like they got it right this time. Very, very close. We'll get to it next right here. MVP straw poll on Locked On 76ers. But I got to tell you, as an ultimate pro basketball GM, I guess veteran now, even though it's only been a few <laughs> weeks, I'm a vet. 
the it's the coolest game I've played in such a long time. Uh, I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM. I'm just telling it like it is. And as it turns out, it's not all that easy. But I still have confidence in myself and confidence in you. If you have had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own squad, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. It's fun. It allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through the seasons, leading through it all, building a historic dynasty, and uh, in the simulation, you're responsible for, you have to deal with the challenging personalities. There are those on a roster in the professional sports rankings that you know you're going to have to deal with that, not only with the players, but with the coaches. How about hiring the right coaches and assistants? I told you I got Keith Pompey on my staff. I feel good. Trading and training players. I will trade you in a second if I don't like how things are going. So you better shape up and making those right draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. And look, it's a challenging, realistic game world, but it's fun. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on 76ers, listen, we got a treat for you. Get a 100% free boost to the franchise to your franchise when using the promo locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out, download the game. Uh, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Welcome back, locked on 76ers. I even asked Keith that tough question. Yesterday, if you are ultimate pro basketball GM, who are you starting your franchise with of the three MVP candidates, leaders, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis? I'll tell you about that in a second. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 76 as your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'll let you off the hook on that one, Keith. If you want to hear Keith's answer, Go to our last podcast, and he talks about it at the end, uh, in, in the, right there in the middle of the podcast, about how he would go and strategy, you know, strategizing what he wants to do with the team and specifically with those three guys. All right, Keith, latest straw poll is out. The big fella is up at the top, but only by two points did he win. And it doesn't matter. You win, you win. That's all that matters. But it was very close, man, very close. What do you know about how this is done and and uh, how surprised were you that Embiid was actually there for the first time at the top? I mean, how it's done is like, you know, Tim Bontemps, who does a great job, great, great reporter uh, for ESPN. He's the guy who does it. And what he does is he reaches out to a lot of guys who uh, I'm assuming that he believes will have a vote in this league or certain people in, in different markets. Maybe they don't have a vote, but he'll, he'll reach out to numerous people from a market and I'm one of the guys we reached out to. Okay. And what he does is he he gives it, you know, he asks you, hey, who are your top five guys? And can you put them in order? And what happens is he tabulates everything and then he writes about it. You know, so it's it's a very well done thing and, and I think is well done be and, and you get a kind of sort of like a little bit more accurate feel than other ones. And the reason being is because what he's doing is he's reaching out to people who were voters people who voted in the past, people who he believes some of them may get a vote. So um, I, I really think is is, is good. Um, the thing is, the reason why I'm a little bit shocked is because I felt like when Joel Embiid did not 
compete in uh, Monday's game that some people would probably hold it against them. Well, real fast, does mm-hmm. the, do you do you know the dates? Was this something that was done before that game? Well, I, I know. Well, let's just say I voted on Monday. Oh, okay. Well, like, I voted. Fun. Like you know, basically, it was one of those jokers where literally, man, no lie, I'm walking to the air. Like I try to get some steps in, so I stayed probably a mile from the arena. So I just walked in Denver to the arena. And next thing you know, my phone pops up, and he's like, "Hey, I know it's late. I'm sorry, but uh, do you want to, um, you know, give me things?" So I texted um, as I was walking. Um, so. And I'm pretty, he was getting them in then. So it came out, you know, that uh, it came out today, which is what Thursday, Thursday. but, but yeah, he was asking people on Monday. Wow. So he turned, never, he turned Monday, that around quick. Yeah. It turned around quickly. So again, so, you know, and it was, some people were like, I don't know. I don't know. But that just tells you now, here's the thing. If Joel Embiid would have played in that game, he probably would have won by a landslide. Right. A lot of people were interested. I mean, a lot of people liked him. But some people probably held it against them. Now, again, I'm watching this game last night, D, and I'm telling you that the way Joel played, he gets a couple. If he plays against Giannis, if he plays against Boston, I think that some people like are going to forget about him not playing against the Joker. They're going to talk about all the games that he played and how he played well, and he'll he'll win it. Um, so I was just shocked a little bit that he that he. Uh, that that it was that he uh still was number one but i do think he's going to get mvp now here's the thing um you know Embiid is such a dominant player like we looked at it yesterday now um you saw the block that he had the key block in the game you saw like what he was doing when he was playing um how hard it is like they had four different guys in the game to guard them four different guys because they couldn't do it so you know, I, I'm, I I like the straw poll. I like that more so than other ones. And I, I like the way how it changed. Like each throughout the season, it was a different guy. Right. Um, and Embiid is, 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 is the guy now. And, and I think that he'll win it. I like it. I think that Tim Bontemps does a, a hell of a job, a, a, a good reporter. Um, and he takes time to, to do it. And I like the fact that he's going out there asking people as opposed to just coming out with his own opinion mm-hmm. and making it the gospel. So here here are the results for the final straw poll. And it was 790 to 788. And Bede edges them out by two points in this one. And Bede's previous rank, last time this was done, was uh, number three. First place votes, Embiid 40. Jokic 42. Giannis 18. So he actually doesn't even win um, in the first place votes. It was the second place votes that second place votes that really separated him 45 to 39. And Giannis with 15, where third place it was 15 for Embiid, 19 for Jokic, 64 for Giannis. And uh, Jason Tatum had 90 for the fourth place votes here in this in this whole straw poll. Total votes 100 for each player. And uh, again, Embiid edges out Nikola Jokic 790 to 788, where Giannis finishes with 612 uh, in the straw poll. So to your point of the 100 voters, uh, that's where it is. And uh, he just wins the tightest MVP race here, according to the straw poll. So we'll find out how much of this actually turns out to be true in the later part of the spring as we head into the summer. 
and seeing if Joel Embiid actually does win. After last night's game, of course, he was asked about it, Keith, not the straw poll, but once again, missing the game. And if he missed the game, then what would that do for his chances? And he said, listen, if one game causes any of us to lose this award, then we shouldn't be winning it anyway because we all miss games or we all have bad games. And once again, it's not a focus of mine. We're trying to win the championship. If I win it, that would be great. If not, I can't worry about it anymore. We're just here to let's just get this thing done and play some basketball. And that's basically how he approached it. And he's been approaching it that way all season long, right? Yeah, he has. I mean, when I ask him about it, he always like, I don't, I mean, he says that he doesn't want to, it's not about MVP, it's about championship. Now, again, and look, let's make it clear, people. It's not, that's not, doesn't mean that he doesn't want to win it. Exactly. That's what I'm about to say. That he's shifting his focus elsewhere where it was already there. He was just more outspoken about it before of how much he actually wanted to win it. But you know what? That's BS, though. Like, and I'm talking about everyone. Like, when you ask, like, I mean, come on. It's like they say to you, hey, D, man, do you want to be the best? Do you want to be recognized as the best radio host in the country? Of course I do. Of course you do. But but then but then it's kind of like whenever somebody admits to it, they're saying, oh, man. That's not a team guy. No, come on, man. That's BS. You want to be the best. So, like, and, and like, why should we penalize somebody for saying they want to be the best? So now you got to be PC. You got to be politically correct and be like, well, you know, it's all about the team award. Now, why can't you have both? Like, honestly, why can't you have both? So, you know, so, like, if you ask Giannis, yes, he wants to be that dude. If you ask Nikola Jokic, yes, he wants to be that dude. The same for Luka Doncic. They all do, Jason Tatum, all of them. But now what we do is we criticize people for keeping it real, for being 100 with it. So I think that's a big joke. Yes, Joel wants to win that award. They all do. They all do. So, like, you know what, man? I I just think it's a, a joke that we come down hard on somebody for saying that. They all want to be the best. And why can't you do both? He wants to do that. He wants to win a award. Because here's the thing, y'all. The thing is, when you become a Hall of Famer and you become that guy, there's a status symbol when you say he was an MVP. There's not a lot of MVPs in this league right now active. You got LeBron. You got and, – and I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss a couple. You got Steph. You got Kevin Durant. You have James Harden on the team doing that. It's not a lot of these guys. You got Luka. I'm not Luka. Excuse me. You got Nikola. You, you, you have the Greek freak. There's not a lot of guys. So when you want to be the best, yes, you want to be that guy. You want to do it. So people should stop getting upset and saying and be this and then be that because he's keeping it 100 and he's keeping it real. I, I appreciate it because I get tired of hearing people saying, oh, it doesn't really matter to me. It's all about the team. Nah, dude, be real. Keep it 100. And now I didn't vote yet, but I do have a vote. But I'm just going to tell you what my straw poll was. My straw poll was right now, and it's probably not going to change, but right now I got Embiid number one. I got the Joker number two. I have Giannis number three. I have Jason Tatum number four, and then I have Luka Doncic number five. That's my five right now. Now is number five, huh? Huh? Yeah, number five. Number Give me five. a vote because I'm taking Shea. I'm taking Shea Gilgis. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's cool, too, but Luka, number five. Like, my thing is, it also got to do, like, how are you going to be the MVP if your team might not make the play-in game? 
<laughs> like, I mean, real rap. Like, how are you going to be the MVP if your team doesn't make the play-in game? Yeah. Like, yo, like, you know, what's the thing? Like, I mean, come on now. You can't do that. You just can't. You can't. Like, and, and I get it. People saying, oh, he's the MVP. Of what? Like, I mean, great player. Great player. But your team, you got to have some type of team success. I mean, they got to. That team is not fun to watch. I don't, I don't like watching that team. No, it's not. It's I know not. those two players can score, but I just don't like how they play. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you um can you get me can can you get me in there so I can make a vote? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Coming back on the final segment, we are going to talk about while we speak about the MVP and all that. You, you need help sometimes. And last night, the 76ers got that in the form of their bench. Two key players with scoring numbers where others did other things to help them win. The bench is going to be important. Why last night's game was a uh, maybe a sample size of just that going forward. We'll get into that next right here. Locked on 76ers. The NCAA tournament is here, and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up today and claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down in that. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com, a backslash locked on, to sign up today. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Welcome back to Locked On 76ers. That's Keith Pompey. I'm Devon Givens. All right, Keith, in the eight-point win over Dallas. And we see this often, but it has traveled pretty well with the 76ers and other teams that I've watched during the good teams on the road where you get your bench help and the reserves help out. We know that when you're at home, you always feel a little more comfortable as a bench player. And that's what we saw last night, even though these guys have no fear. DeAnthony Melton and George Niang for different reasons and how they play the game. But Melton with five threes again, Keith, coming back home after struggling the last few games, he was five for six from deep uh, for a game best time, him with Tim Hardaway, leading him to 17 points. Then you had George Niang with 14 points, knocking down four three-pointers, I believe it was, and he was rolling early where he helped bring them back into the game in the early part where he was hitting those threes and he looked very comfortable out there once he knocked that first one down, the second one for sure. And once he hit that second one, every time he rose up, especially in that span where it was, where they were all basically back to back to back. Niang at one point had a back to back three point sequence. And then Melton came back and knocked down a three himself, gave the Sixers a one point lead early on in the first. But then the Dallas Mavericks went on the run and it kind of negated all of that. But. Those guys are going to be important, as we know. Jalen McDaniels, Paul Reed, they all provided something last night. And even though Jalen McDaniels had two bunnies that he missed, uh, alley-oops early on in the game, basically in like the four possessions, he missed two layups on alley-oops. And 
it was just like, dude, what is happening here? Uh, but he also did a few things later on, not just scoring where he only had three points, but defensively against the players that we talked about, Luka Doncic and, of course, Kyrie Irving, making sure to close out on those three-point shooters like he did last night. We know how important he is going to be in the playoffs. But, Keith, last night, again, we saw why they need them in the postseason. Yeah, and I, I think another thing we saw last night is the playoff rotation, to be honest with you. I mean, we saw – No shake. Man, <laughs> no shake. We saw DeAnthony Melton, George Niang, and, uh, and, and Jalen McDaniels, and then Paul Reed, right? And yeah. I think Paul's going to be more of a situational. We saw D-House get in. He played a minute. He played a minute in the game. But, see, that's it. I think those four guys right there, specifically those three, those top three, McDaniels, um, Niang, and Melton, they're going to be the rotation. Like, yeah. now, and I, I think Reed is, is, you know, in there too, but I think – more situational type thing with him. It could be remember, remember Tucker, since he's a starter, can also play small ball five minutes where you exactly. may not go to read because MB is going to play 38 to 40 minutes. Exactly. And exactly. Great, great point. But see, here's the thing. We look at the bench. The, the Sixers bench were uh, obliterated against Golden State and against the Phoenix Suns. I believe they were outscored 107 to like uh 54, something like that. No, less than that. Like 30, it was like 107 to 41. That's what it was. 107 to 41. Last night, the 76ers bench outscored Dallas 39 to 30, which is is pretty good. I mean, like you talked about it. You know, we're talking about the threes. You know, uh, Melton was five for six. Uh, Niang was four for seven. You you look at Niang. Niang had a heck of a game, man. He had two blocks, one spill, mm-hmm. right? You look at McDaniels, he he had a rough shooting night, but he was active there, right? He got rebounds, he had an assist. And then Reed, the one thing about him that I really that really stood out to me was how he's doing a better job now of grabbing the offensive rebound and turning around and outletting it to a three-point shooter, which enables these guys to get these shots. He hit yeah. one, he he got one in the third to George Niang to tie it up at 89-89. My man, exactly. Five, and he had five boards. He had five rebounds. He had an assist. He had a block. He had a steal. So, you know, you look at it and you say to yourself, like, this is what the Sixers need. And the bench looks a whole lot better. And uh, people, yep. a lot of it has to do with when the Sixers are healthy and they can go with their normal lineup because you lose these bench, point, bench, bench points when DeAnthony Melton goes in the starting lineup. And then all of a sudden, you got to bring other guys in to the rotation. You got to start a D house. You got to start like a shake. I mean, I, I'm not start. D-house. That's of course when injuries happen. Yeah. So like you got to bring them in like as the sixth or seventh man, Shake Milton, all these other guys. So right now I'm looking at it. They got 31 points from Niang and uh, and 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 the Mel. That's what you need. You need these guys to provide that type of balance. And you look at it, they closed out the game with Melton. He played 33 minutes compared to 19 for Tucker. So this is great, man. This is great for the Sixers. Great for the Sixers. No, it it absolutely uh, was. And here's the other part, too, the intangibles that we speak about, when specifically the intangibles from, well, I guess all four, because even though George Niang is not athletic, known to be a defender, he's tough. He may not wear tough on the sleeve where you're just like, oh, yeah, George Niang's tough. No, you watch him and you're like, oh, 
he's an antagonist a little bit and in the most uh un unconventional way when you look at him because you think a certain way and that's what that's what happens when you think about something without you know judging a book by its cover and what it appears but DeAnthony Melton six rebounds Keith four offensive four offensive rebounds and this is him diving jumping in there timing his jump where he's jumping before some of the bigger players who are down there supposed to box out he's just leaping over him and grabbing the board or tipping the ball elsewhere where it leads to another basket for his teammates another possession in general for the team and those are the types of things that help you win some games. And he hasn't had a great playoff stretch with Memphis since he's been in the league. So I'm very curious to see how that translates to this year. Now he's with the Sixers and also George Niang because of the fact that he it, it's it's situational where he may not be able to play against certain teams. So right now it looks like Sixers and the Nets would be the first round matchup. He could play against he could play against Brooklyn. And it's a matter of when you get to Boston. Can he play in that series against the Celtics? We know he can play against Milwaukee. Can he play against the Celtics? Jalen McDaniels has only played in a play-in tournament game, not, not a full playoff series. How is he going to respond? And we know Paul Reed has had the experience now from last season. Has he learned now with those minutes to make the most of them and limit mistakes there? Because he he can drive you crazy, man. The, the, the Paul Reed experience is real. But when it's good, <laughs> when it's good, it's good. Yeah, it is. it is. I mean, I like Paul. Paul's. I do well, too. I've been saying. You know, he's tail off. He's doing a lot of things. Unorthodox sometimes. He, well, but at the same time, to give him, let, let's give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. Like there was the one play where he did the outlet to to uh, to to Niang and he buried the three. I'm looking at it like if I'm getting, <laughs> if, if I'm a guy and I'm like a backup and I'm trying to get buckets. It's like yo, I'm right next to the basket. I'm gonna turn around and face and like bloom. But again, they don't want that. They want him to outlet it, and and a lot of times that's his role. So, so, so do I. Yeah. But you want him to outlet it too? Yes. Yeah. I mean, because like, because you know, the funny thing is, is, is like, let's let's keep it one hundred. Unless unless you were a, a late bloomer or whatever, a lot of these guys were the man wherever they were, and so now like you telling me, I got paid for dunking on people. And now you're telling me to outlet it? Nah, bro. Yes, I <laughs> like, am. Kick but, it out, my man. Kick it out. <laughs> but it's working for him. It's working. It is. It is. You got to find your niche in the NBA. And right mm -hmm. now his is is that be that hustle player, that role player, the guy that's going to sometimes run with his chicken, running around like his head is, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off. That's what mm -hmm. he's going to do sometimes. He's going to make he's going to make more positive plays than he will negative. But it's not it's never all out of selfishness is all out of just hustle and what he's doing and of course everyone wants to score so when you get an offensive rebound and you're right there two feet away from the rim of course you're going to want to turn around and jump hook it lay up whatever but when you got three guys around you and and you don't have the best vertical at least from right in that spot with three people around you yeah it's all good kick it out you got the offensive rebound 14 more seconds let's rock and roll from there but look he's a part of it and that's the growth as we talk about what he is as a player, because there was a question of whether he would be there last season as a young player. Right now, we know, as you pointed out, that is he is part of the playoff rotation as short or however long that rotation might be. All right, everybody, we thank you for making Locked On 76 as your first listen every day. On our next episode, we'll preview another big game at home against the Toronto Raptors. Toronto has won three games in a row. They are fighting for their 
play in tournament lives of where they are going to be. They don't want to be ninth. They don't want to be 10th. They probably want to be able to move up to seventh or eighth and win that seven, eight matchup and get right into the postseason uh, if, if they could. So now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, Locked On Experts covering the biggest stories around the league every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Keith, can you let the good folks know where they can find us? Yeah, like my man D just said, wherever you get your podcast, you can get this podcast. It's free and available. But make sure you go to our YouTube channel, subscribe there. How you subscribe is by clicking on that Liberty Bell. Once you click on that Liberty Bell, you become a subscriber, A. And B, you get notifications whenever we come up with our next podcast. And tonight, do yourself a favor and listen to my man D from 10 to midnight. 10 to midnight on 97.5 FM, right? And then... Also, do yourself another favor. Make sure you follow my man D on Twitter at DevonG975. DevonG975. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers, and you can read my articles in the Philadelphia Inquirer. That's inquire.com. So do that today, people. Definitely do it today. Keith, as always, fun. Appreciate it. The Sixers make it easy when they've been basketball games because we get to talk about a W and highlight some things six games left man six games left and then we're into the real season for for the squad thanks man as always thanks everybody for listening and watching we really appreciate it. we'll talk to you tomorrow all right see you d and see y'all tomorrow peace